Kora, and welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV for the 8th of June, 2021. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by our Chief Economist, Calvin Davidson, down in Christchurch. Calvin, how are you going, mate? How was the uh, long weekend? Well, long weekend was uh, a bit damp. We've we've gone gone in Christchurch from being pretty much in a drought, you'd say, to, to the exact opposite. So, yeah, a bit more rain to follow up. On uh, on Monday, so so yeah, it was, it was pretty damp. So inside stuff with with the family really, and um, the weekend kind of passed by very quickly. But good to have that extra day. It, it does make a difference in, in in short working weeks. So yeah, how about yourself? Yeah, no, pretty pretty cruisy really. Um, you know, much like yourself, had a big week of travel last week. So um, you know, pretty happy to sort of spend that time back with the family, um, relieve Karina of some of the family duties a bit more than than other weekends maybe. Um, but I just said certainly made use of that extra day to just uh, you know hang out and and um, spend a bit of time with the family. So it was it was all good, mate. And um, yeah, like I say, into it into it today, and uh, no no travel this week. So kind of happy to you know be back at home base and and get some get some desk work done. I suppose you'd call it getting into some dirty numbers. Um, which is obviously, you know, part of the joy of my job. So let's um before we before we look ahead to what's coming this week, let's um take a quick book, quick look back at last week. Um, I think the main release, of course, from our perspective was the CoreLogic House Price Index. I know we half teased it, um, but of course it was under embargo until the Tuesday last week, so we didn't get a chance to chat about some of the detail. I think the main upshot from that house price index was, you know, we saw that continued growth in the market, not unsurprisingly, but there were some signs of that momentum slowing. And when you look at the index change over the month, which we know is a three-month rolling measure, but it's like the most recent month of data has influenced that figure, um, you know, the growth in that in that May measure was 2.2%, and that was a drop from 3.1% in April. So I think it just shows there are some signs of that slowing. The other thing I did before I wrote the release for the index was actually to go and look at some of the raw sales data, the unconfirmed sales data that we process. You know, so we do get a lot of our data before the councils for it goes through the council process. Um, because we know that that can take quite a while. So we've had some good calling programs in for a while to make sure we get that data as soon as possible. Um, and so I sort of analysed some of those more raw sales to see what was happening. And I think the key thing when you really chunk it down and look at the most recent sales first and compare that to earlier in the year, the performance isn't quite as strong. And so I think there's some decent signs there of this momentum slowing. Now, we're not calling it a major downturn, you know, but it's probably, you know, showing the early signs of the momentum loss that everyone's expecting because of mostly the loan-to-value ratio restrictions increasing um, over the last couple of months. And then, of course, with the added pressure of the uh, government changes announced on March 23 as well. So I think there's some early signs in price data. And, of course, we've talked previously quite a lot about the impact to demand measures and we haven't seen that lift in listings either. So I think we're getting a pretty good feel for the reaction to those announcements. Um, and if we look just a little bit before I before we sort of move on to economic or get your further take, I just thought we could touch on some of the actual data from the main centres um, from the House Price Index data, because I think each and every one of them, except for Tauranga, interestingly, um, actually did see a little bit of a drop in that monthly rate of growth. 
And I think that's, you know, it's consistent across most areas. That's when you go, yeah, okay, it's a bit more of a trend as opposed to maybe a random month of data. Um, Tainaga was the interesting one because the monthly growth was 5.1%. But as I wrote in the release, it's been quite volatile. Um, and I think in the last six months, we've seen it sort of drop below 0%. We've seen it bounce back up again. And it has been jumping a bit all over the show, which might just show it's inconsistent sales data. And, you know, maybe it's, there's a bit of weird things going on in Tainaga. Um, and, and for that area, we sort of looked at the three-month change, which was still above 10%, and that was pretty consistent with both Hamilton and Wellington as well, just showing that there's still some strong momentum in those markets. But look at the monthly data, and each of them was sort of dropped by between, you know, minor percent to about 1% in, in some of those main centres. Auckland, you know, the monthly rate of growth dropped from 24 to 1.4%. So I think there's some, as I say, there's some consistent signs of that of that drop across the board. Um, and the other one we pointed out was to see the Wellington area, which is the four cities, you know, Wellington, Lower Hutt, Porirua, and Upper Hutt. The average value across all those four centres hit a million dollars. And so that got a few headlines as well, which um, isn't too much of a surprise there. Um, but yeah, certainly is, is a sign of the times, I suppose, just to see for, for a broad region like that, to see the average price hit a million dollars, which I think many people think million dollars, that's got to be Auckland, right? But Wellington actually is, is very much up there in the unaffordability stake. So yeah, I suppose that's my high-level overview with a little bit of detail involved. Um, anything else that you sort of picked up on for the index? Um before, I, before we move on, or I actually might touch on some of the media coverage, but get your thoughts first. Yeah, not a lot on the data itself. I suppose just around where we go from here and, and what's sort of impacting things. You, know, you mentioned the LVRs, of course, and, and the government tax changes. I suppose there is this, it might be feeding into people's thinking, and sure it hasn't come into play yet, but it might be in their thoughts, is around, you know, with the Reserve Banks were kind of ready to act again if, if required, they could. They could raise deposits for investors to 50%, for example, and they've they've probably asked for um, debt-to-income ratios as well. So there's there's these things that people kind of know about and they're in the market. Sure, they haven't really taken effect literally yet, but but they, they probably are in people's minds. So so that'll be that'll be having an influence too, I think. And um, of course the the threat of, of of potentially rising mortgage rates. So not even the threat, we've seen that on some some durations of mortgage already that some of those longer term rates have gone up. So, so yeah, there's a bunch of things sort of out there on the horizon too that that can be impacting the market already. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you're right. You know, in terms of that psychological impact of just the you know human nature. You know, if there's a bit more caution in the market, then people are going to act with more caution. Um, and I think that's certainly been the case. And we talk about the reduction in demand. Certainly looks like it's been you know real, maybe not as far as we thought. And the fact that we've still got quite a big you know, pipeline of, of demand there that's meant the prices aren't certainly going to drop away at all, but certainly maybe people would be cautious to uh, to overpay. And I think we talked about this fear of overpaying coming into the market as well. So I think that's sort of coming through in the value data now. And that's, I suppose, the key point that we took with the index is that, yes, we do have some value data to assess the market rather than looking at these other measures, which will still be really useful in terms of behaviour change. But otherwise, you're looking at things like surveys, which I'm not always, you know, I don't think you can always pin too much um, you know, insight on. They can give you an indication of things, but aren't always that revealing. Whereas the value data is the is the really solid information and solid take on things. So that's where I find it quite interesting. In terms of media coverage, it was um, you know, got pretty good coverage last week. One of the feedback we did get from the TV um companies mostly was that, you know, obviously they were inundated with stories about the flooding down south. And so that means they didn't probably give as much coverage to housing. So that is what it is. Um, but one of the highlights for me certainly was um an interview I did with Bernard Hickey for his sort of 
um, regular take newsletter and podcast. And I did it about 15 minutes out of Kerry Kerry while I was on the road, hotspotted for my mobile phone, and, and that kind of went off without a hitch. So um, that was quite good. And, and it was good to get into a, a bit more detail about the data um, rather than just you know skimming across the surface, which we we'll often do with some of the, the the typical media outlets. So that was that was quite good. Um, and actually, I'll include a link to those uh, to a few of the media uh, pieces as well. Maybe the Bernadicki one, as well as our full release um, in the show notes, if anyone really wants to get into some of that detail of the data. But um, I will move on then, mate. And um, I suppose the other the the rest of the data really wasn't a major data week couple of things from an economic perspective. Did you just want to touch on the data from business confidence and um, also dwelling consent data? Yeah, business confidence from ANZ. Uh, the, the figure for May was was higher than April. So you'd, you'd say a yeah, pretty good result. There's, there's still this sense that, that businesses are feeling relatively optimistic. But ANZ's commentary did highlight that the second half results, or survey results that came in in the second half of the month were maybe a little bit weaker than the first half. So uh, who knows when we had the had the budget in there and, and, and whether that sort of played a role and whether it's the start of a new trend, maybe. Seems pretty early days. But um, for now, I think you'd, you'd look at those business confidence numbers and say actually still pretty good. And dwelling consents, the same. Bit of a broken record on this one. I mean, it's, it's very high, you know, record highs driven by Auckland, driven by sort of townhouses, the, the smaller dwellings. So, and it's been that way for... I don't know, a year, two years. It's it's just it's just been such a such a broken record on that one. It's great, of course, because we we know we need these dwellings, uh, and and for the moment, <clears throat> while we've got borders shut, our estimates now that that we're probably eroding some of that that shortfall, or we're starting to make up for previous deficits. So so that's good. Um, of course, the issue is we've still got stretched affordability, and we need we need this this burst and and construction to last especially if and when the borders reopen, because that'll put pressure on that population growth again. And of course, as we've talked about, these issues of, of rising construction costs and capacity pressures are coming along sort of just at the wrong time, really. So, so yeah, some issues there. But for now, yeah, building consent's still very high. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like I say, it still seems to be forecast to, to stay relatively high, but there's those concerns about capacity constraints. Um you know, I know that you've obviously been building your house, not you yourself, you're not out there with the hammer, but you're going through that experience yourself. I just wondered, um, you know, where, where are things at with your build and what's your experience been in terms of, you know, time to build and, and how things are? I mean, it's obviously very specific to the Canterbury region, but if there's any sort of worthwhile um, insights that you sort of gain from going through that process yourself and, and the impacts you've seen of maybe some of these capacity constraints or, or material shortages? Yeah, I, I mean, we so a couple of things. We we were lucky to get signed up about eighteen months ago or two years ago. So we you know we locked in that price and you know all our all our trusses were done and everything in advance of all these these recent issues. But certainly heard and, and we've had to deal with shortages of some products, pretty small tiles, tap fittings, whatever, and you just sort of change. But that has come at a, at a slight cost. And um, yeah, but it's it's more about what I hear for, for people who would be starting now. You know that. That sure you might get consent, but you, you're not you're not going to have the same speed of build. There's there's going to be this lag opening up between getting consent or applying for the for the build and, and actually getting it done. That that lead time could could blow out quite a lot, is is what I'm hearing. And um, yeah, material shortages as well. So just fortunate to have to have got in when we did because those those issues are starting to come through, and we're seeing that in you know, construction cost measures, and, and and so there could be unfortunately more to come just at the time, as I say, when when we need we need more construction. 
Yeah, exactly. And so what's the what's the time being? Because you mentioned prior to podcast, you and I were catching up and you mentioned hopefully in next month. When did when did building actually start? Uh, we started at the end of January. And um, so we, we're going to be in sort of late late June, early July. Now, there's been a few issues in there that's, that mean it will be early July as opposed to, to late June, but could have been late June and, and sort of a five-month build time. So for me, now, as you say, I'm no builder. I'm not out, in, out there on the tools, but it, it's felt pretty fast and, you know, put that down to efficient project managers and, and construction firms, I guess. But, but yeah, it seemed pretty fast. Now, who knows, that, that, that's that's probably going to be as low as it gets for the for the time being with this this possible delay in the materials and, and labor you know getting builders to actually do it so five months from now on is probably probably feels like it might be a bit ambitious so so here yeah. it goes yeah absolutely and i wonder if um, and i'm simply interested for any listeners to hear sort of any anecdotes of how buildings gone around the country because that might be quite fast um compared to the rest of the country for canterbury maybe because you just got you know there's there's plenty of people down there um, you know, there's been good building for a long time. And so the processes, as you say, the big businesses are down there. And so they've got a good, you know, organisation of that. I wonder if it's a bit different further out from um, from Christchurch. You know, and I think that, you know, we've heard certainly, you know, from some data um, that it's in upwards of a year from build to, to code of compliance. And so I just wonder how different, different those, um, you know, completion times are around the country and certainly be interested if anyone's got any, you know, informative stories or information or certainly data on that as well. So please do get in touch if there's any, any anything else out there. Yeah, I'd say that there, I wouldn't be surprised if it was higher elsewhere. Like you say, you know, everyone's geared up here. That's you've got you've got people in the in the zone, you've got builders ready to go and, and it's and there's probably capacity there and, and everyone's been building building at a rapid rate for for a long time. So yeah, it, it would be interesting to compare that nationally and and for me it probably is very specific to us five months might even be quite fast for for canterbury slash christchurch but but yeah interesting if there is anecdotes about that yep absolutely no all good um okay mate well um i don't think that's too much from last week so we can have a quick look ahead and it's going to be a relatively short pod today um this week i suppose that again it's a it's a core logic data set our bio classification data for may so it'll be the sales that occurred in, in May. And obviously going to be real interest, you know, a big part of the presentations we've been doing and, and all the work we've been doing has been about assessing the market since that March 23 date when, you know, at the time it certainly felt like it was a big change. Um, as we've spoken today previously, you know, maybe the impact of the market hasn't been as much as we thought it could have been. And we'll certainly get a feel for that from the um, classification data for May. So I'm interested to see where that sort of lands. I think the early, you know, that the April data was showing that we maybe did already see that dial back in investor activity, um, you know, likely because of the LVR limits, nothing to do with the government changes. But this latest month might actually be a bit more reflecting the fact that some investors either, you know, were unable or unwilling to continue to uh, be as active as they were previously. So we'll certainly pay attention to that one with real intrigue. And we'll talk about that in more detail next week, of course. Um, is there anything else you want to sort of pick up on that bike classification stuff? No, I covered it all for me. Just yet, yeah, interesting to see that how those trends are going for first home buyers, not versus investors. I'm not trying to paint it as a, as a battle between those two, but but certainly those those are the two groups of interest. And and yeah, the, the government will obviously be wanting to see uh, that that turnaround that was starting to be seen in April. So yeah, if, if May plays out, that'll that'll be really interesting. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, cool, mate. All right. Well, um, I don't think there's too much else to cover off. I just thought um, because we were both traveling last week and worth noting that uh, thanks to the Baileys and Centuria team, we sort of provide some independent research as they go around doing um, investment roadshows for some of their um, investment products. Um, but really good traveling around with them, talking to people around the country, um, especially some of the smaller centers. Really interesting hearing some of their reasons for you know looking at other types of investments and things like that. Um, and just wonder if you had any other insights from the road. Um, particularly, I know that you were having to travel from Dunedin to Christchurch, sort of got to go through the the I'm not quite, not quite going to call it a disaster zone, but you know some pretty um, horrific. You know, situations last week, for, especially for farmers. Any insights from just anecdotals from seeing that, or any from a you know property market interest perspective? Anything else from the road that you picked up on last week? Yeah, just on the on the farming thing. I mean, it was certainly driving through once once you got into into Mid Canterbury uh, through Hines and Ashburton. It was the, the damage was pretty clear to see, even at the main road. Um, you know, flooding and and railway bridges with uh, logs up against them. You know, basically basically dammed up so all the water was going out to the side and and i think probably for the, the casual observer you know it might not look that bad the ashburn bridge is still open and, and that type of thing but actually the real damage for people who live there is is kind of more away from the main road where where farmers have you know silt and stuff all over their paddocks so they can't feed their feed their animals you've got some of that winter feed washed you know crops were washed away or or, or hay bales or baleage um washed away as well so it's more about more about that that damage that isn't quite as visible but has quite a lasting impact certainly for this season on on farming so as well as of course acknowledging people who got water through their house and buildings so so yeah not not great um, and it was certainly pretty visible in those places on state highway one but it would certainly be worse in land as well um but lucky to get over the bridge the uh, that there's a bit of a dip in that ashburton bridge um so so hopefully that hopefully that stays standing of course um and it's, and it's brought obviously a lot of debate about should we have had a second bridge in Ashburton which has been an issue kicking around for a while and um so the yeah, central government might be paying that a bit more attention now um but in terms of market stuff yeah it was it was not a huge amount of these are these are people who are there you know to invest in a commercial property syndicate so that they kind of got their eyes on that um but certainly still got a sense that that nobody's a sense of composure, I suppose, about interest rates. Nobody's thinking there's something going to shoot up overnight and there's going to be the stampede back to term deposits. Certainly a feeling that those sort of term deposits are going to continue to pay low returns for a while, even if interest rates do start to creep up. So still the sense that people are, I need I need an income yield, I need some kind of return on this money and, and term deposits aren't going to do it. So looking at, looking at, in this case, commercial property, but you know, for the right type of residential property, paying the right yield, um, that I think there still could be appeal there as well. And I guess you know, one of the themes we're talking about is if we start to see a little bit of return of inflation, you know, thinking about asset classes that kind of protect against that, and, and property is one of those where you know rents and prices can adjust as the general level of prices rises. So, so yeah, there was there was still still a similar sense there, I guess, from from previous roadshows we've done where where people are still looking for an income, you know, they, they want their yield. It's all about that. And they're feeling that, that those types of products are offering it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds really consistent with a lot of the discussions I had with many people. I love that word. I think that's actually, you sort of said composed in terms of their, 
um, outlook on interest rates. But I think that's a good actual you know word to describe investors in general right now is that they are acting pretty composed in terms of you know their reaction for the residential property market, and then you know certainly evaluating their options whether they stick in, buy more, or look at other investment classes. And so I, I really like that word for the current state of the market really, and that really does back up some of the stuff that you know we're talking about to people and you know many people there have residential property investments too. They're not looking to panic and get out. They are comfortable with what they've got. They've got good tenants. They talk about all those things that we speak about that are important for an investor, um, but certainly looking to broaden their horizons or expand those already broadened horizons of the different investment classes. So I think that's that's pretty consistent. Um, on the flood stuff, and I think, you know, it was obviously, you know, of interest to us. And I think we first need to recognise the, the people impact here. And it, of course, is, is important to recognise what people have to go through, through, you know, situations like this. But then you do start to switch your mind to go, what does this mean for the productivity of that region to the economy? And how does that flow through to the rest of the economic performance? And then also stemming from that, what might that mean for some stimulation to come from the government? As you said, it might be through investments in another bridge or is it just support for the farming industry who need a bit more to get off the ground because they're going to go through a period where they can't, you know, turn over the same amount of money they would have previously as well. So I suppose there's a couple of things to, to look forward um, for on those things and, and what we might look to hear or see elsewhere. Um, any other sort of further takes from an economic perspective on the impact of the floods, Kelvin, or is it still sort of a bit too early to to get a feel for that and we wait and see a little bit longer till we till we can um, you know, assess that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's still early days, of course, and uh, there is a feeling that, that maybe government support packages so far would, would only scratch the surface, you know, literally there's, there probably needs to be a bit more if that's the avenue they want to take, which is probably the right thing to do. Um, so, yeah, not, not a lot beyond that. I mean, you do, you do see in economic events like this, of course, that, that you sort of see perverse effects of, of actually it can benefit some people. Um, so, you know, people who drive diggers and, and, and repair roads now have a whole bunch of work. So there's always, there's always swings and roundabouts and, and um, you see it in lots of different circumstances like this. So, you know, the, the economic, overall economic impact that can, can fall on different groups and actually come out sort of neutral in the end. So, so yeah, um, interesting to see how it, how it plays out, but early, early days yet. Yeah, great point. I mean, I suppose we've seen that with COVID, right? Like, you know, there's plenty of businesses that have done better in the last 15 months than they would have otherwise, and a particularly tech industry. But of course, anyone in tourism hasn't. And so, as you say, I suppose one thing that's bad for one business or industry is, is likely to be good for, for another part of the economy. So that's a, it's a really, really interesting take. And uh, as you say, we'll um, have to wait and see how things play out in the next, you know, weeks, months, years, I suppose. Um, and, and, a, and a key part of it, of course, is something we've spoken about previously, which is you know, the fact that flooding is our most um, most impactful natural disaster thing here in New Zealand. Um, and we do need to probably prepare better for this. And I th I've certainly seen some internal work here at CoreLogic trying to support our different clients as to understand what their exposure might be, not just from this flood, but, you know, from other floods that might occur around the rest of the country where we know there's some, you know, increased susceptibility for different parts of the country. So it does show that need to be be prepared um, for businesses and, uh, and and consumers alike. So, yeah, if anything, it's a good reminder from that perspective too. All good. Cool, mate. Well, um, I think that's going to pretty much wrap us up. Um, we probably did stretch things out um, a bit today, but uh, always good to have a, a pretty casual chat and talk about some of the detail and get a bit of anecdotes out there too. So, um, yeah, always good to have that catch up. It's, of course, Tuesday today, so we'll, we'll look to finish this up and get this out there 
before everyone's coming this afternoon. Was there anything else you wanted to cover um, from last week or anything else that's on your mind that's coming up for sort of the rest of June? No, no, no. Just straight into it, short week. So, um, yeah, lots to do. Yep. No, great. Cool, Mark. Well, we'll get out of here and uh, we'll speak to you all next week. So um, thanks, Calvin, for your thoughts. Uh, please do get in touch with us. As I said, you know, when we go through a bit of slower data times, we're keen to get those anecdotes and see if we can get some data to back it up or otherwise. Um, I did actually note the OPS boys and their podcast have been talking about a bit about a few of our releases lately. So um, just want to say thanks for that as well. And good to see it getting out there and, and being useful for people, I suppose, is the key thing we want with our data. Um, so that's good to see. Um, and we've also had some people get in touch and just, um, you know, provide some feedback for the podcast too. So good to hear from people. Please do keep that up. And uh, our contact details are all from the podcast player too. So I'll leave it there. My name is Nick. He is Calvin. You've been listening to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast. Matiwa. Wow.